guys, welcome back to another episode of the All Things Strength and Wellness Podcast. I'm your host once again, Robbie Burke, and we are brought to you by UPMentorship.com, one of the top strength and conditioning resources available online today. This episode's guest is Jay DeMeo. Jay is the head strength and conditioning coach for men and women's basketball teams at the University of Richmond. Jay is also the man behind the Central Virginia Sports Performance Seminars. This is an annual seminar event where some of the top coaches and scientists present. On this episode, Jay and I discuss Jay's background and influences, principles that drive Jay's training process, how Jay incorporates special strength training into his programs with his athletes, advice and resources for all coaches, and much more. This was a really great episode, guys, and I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, Coach Jay DeMeo, it is an absolute pleasure and an honor to have you on my podcast. You're actually a coach that I've been wanting to get on for a long time now. So uh, thanks very much for making the time. Um, Jay, just for the listeners who may not be too familiar with your background, just fill us in. Well, thanks for having me, Robbie. I've been, uh, been listening for a bit, so uh, thank you very much. Um, I'm the head strength and conditioning coach for men's basketball at the University of Richmond. I've been here for... This will be school year 12 uh, that started actually last Monday. Um, did my undergrad work at SUNY Cortland and uh, kind of just was lucky through the dominoes with how my internship led me here. I, I interned under a guy named Brian McGovern at uh, Binghamton. And then after working with Gov, I got a job working for Kip Hittrick out in Indiana State as a GA. And then my connection to Gov brought me here because um, Gov worked at Richmond prior to Binghamton. So he uh, connected me with Darren Thomas, who was the director at the time. So it's uh, kind of quick how, how those things work, but it's been, uh, it's, it's been a good little ride here so far. Awesome stuff. Jay, who would you say has been the biggest influence on you, both as a coach and as a person? Uh, 
meet, you know. Uh, but I didn't ever get to meet her father. I, I was a little late to the party. Yeah, yeah, well, here, so, so was I too, but, um, yeah, for sure, like, Natalia herself is an absolute genius. I've read a lot of her material. I, I particularly loved her presentation on the, the differentiation between the, the, the depth jump and the drop jump, you know, when, when I saw that, I was like, well, I, I really know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she, uh, yeah, she, her, her talks are, are really good, and if you, if you can look at the notes, I think some people have, have made comments about, you know, her, her English, which to me I thought was really impressive because the first talk she gave, uh, that was the first time she spoke English to anyone uh, outside of her home. Wow. Yeah, and she did it in front of like 120 people. So when people are like, yeah, but it's come, sometimes she's hard to understand. It's like, well, or sometimes she reads her slides. It's like, bruh, she just learned English like Tuesday and it's Friday. Yeah, and, uh, how about you go to Italy and give a presentation in Italian there and see how you do? Yeah, I know, right? And uh, so, but she does awesome, man, and she's really open to communicate. And what's awesome about her is the the name means very much to her. It's it's something that she takes a lot of pride in, yeah. and she wants to make sure that that people really do understand what her dad did. And um, so that's why she's been so open to sharing and 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 helping all of us because it's. It is that important to her. And then you don't see things, you know, like the legacy type stuff, you don't see that as often anymore, where like, this is what my dad did and it's really important to me and I want to make sure that I continue to pass on and yeah. build on it. Uh, yeah. so, so to me, that's really that's really neat. Yeah, I actually think uh, any sort of material I've read from her, I actually find that it's translated a lot better than the early work of her father as well. So I actually think overall her English is is, is better in terms of her in terms of the, the literature anyway she's put out there. Yeah, yeah, and of course you know following that list, I mean Yosef with Ultimate Athlete Concepts who puts out a lot of that stuff mm. deserves a lot of that credit absolutely, as well. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, and Yosef's a guy who a lot of people in training don't know. Uh, trains people, uh, but he does a he does a really good job communicating the programming and 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 what is done and why it's done. Uh, he'll be the first person to tell you that he's not going to be able to rap about the science and, and get into all that. He's just going to tell you, well, we did this and then we did that, and these are the results we got. Yeah. And really, like I'm a nerd and all, and I love the science, but like end of the day like all of it who cares as long as you're getting people better that's all that really matters right yeah absolutely um, but he just wants to make sure that, that he's the guy getting people better and uh and he really works hard with that and of course hank i mean everybody knows hank um it, it, hank's an awesome dude and understanding dosing and, and programming with with his ideas is, is always just always eye-opening just oh, pr- pr- pronounce uh, Hank's last name again. Krasenhoff. Krasenhoff. I was always wondering because I always seen him all like I'm always trying to pronounce. I've often seen him, you know, discuss with Maladin on his Facebook page and a few other Facebook pages, and I'm saying, this, I'm like, this guy's this guy's very smart, and I know that he has a he's a DVD also on uh, Ultimate Atlee Concepts as well. Yep, yep. One of the Joseph tells one of his lectures. We've got a couple of them from past years of the seminar. Uh, Hank's beyond being like a a super smart guy who's been a really successful coach in athletics. Hank's just an awesome dude too. He's yeah, uh that's great. He's he's 
he's a great guy to have around. Um, and of course, you know, Dr. Yestis, I, I would be completely remiss if I didn't talk about, or at least mention his influence on our programming and, and basically everything we do. Um, you know, he's been a very big impact on, on me professionally. Yeah, yeah. What, what, like, not, not, to, not to ask a sort of a very personal question, but how old is Dr. Yestis now? You know what? I don't know. Um, that's a good question. He's in his eighties, is he? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, he's he just he seems like he's around so long, but it's, hope, hopefully he's around for a while a while longer. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, is he still coaching, Jay? Uh, I know he's doing more consulting type stuff. Yeah, where is he? Where is he located in the U.S.? He's out in California. Oh wow. Uh, he's, and he's doing uh like mentorship type things. Yeah. Uh, in different ways. I don't know if he's still directly coaching people. Uh, yeah. But you 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 built you built a very close relationship with him over the years. Oh yeah. Um, and he he still puts out like pretty good content. You know where he explains a lot of things better and better each time. Uh, where he's talking about the methods and the stuff that we do. Um, but yeah, man, he's uh. The crazy thing with, with what Doc talks about and what he, what he teaches is that it's been around for so long that it's kind of been, I think by a lot of people, like sort of um, discarded, maybe that's the word, because yeah. it isn't, you know, the, the latest, trendiest thing, uh, but we, we find really, really interesting, successful results. Um, with the student athletes that we work with, and it allows them to, uh, especially with these new rules where these cats are playing all the time, uh, it does allow us to get better without really tearing them apart all that much. Yeah, yeah. Jay, next question. Um, one I always ask everyone on the podcast now. In in your opinion, what what is the the best thing and the worst thing about the training profession? Uh, and with the with, with the worst thing, uh, what would your solution be? Hmm. So you can you can chew on that for a few minutes. Yeah, let me tell. You, we should be sitting somewhere drinking a beer. Um, so I think that right now, and and people that know me may laugh at this. I think that right now, um, I think monitoring is very important, and I do a ton of it. But I think people are now starting to look at things and are kind of being a, becoming afraid to train people. Yeah. I think that the, the biggest thing right now is people are, are, are running away from strength and conditioning and moving more towards too many other fields that might not necessarily be what your job is. Um, a lot of people like to talk about silos and that we shouldn't work in them. And while I do agree with that in theory, I also think that every person needs to have a role and a responsibility where they need to do something. So I guess my example would be, I work with, a, with an awesome athletic trainer with men's basketball. I'm not going to step in and do rehab stuff that he's doing for the guys because I'm not going to step on his toes. But I think a lot of us tend to lean more that way 
where you have people that are already taking care of that, and we're not really worried about getting people better at their sports. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the obvious solution to that is train people to get them better at their sports. But I like I like that answer. I was kind of <laughs> how do yeah. I lose how do I lose weight? Eat less food. Move more. Yeah. How do you lose weight? Stop eating ice cream. Um, but it's like I think it might really be that simple. Is that it's there's 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 and then I would also say that the the conundrum full you know it, it swings completely to the left as well where there's people out there also who just do all these trendy crazy things or just try to break people off all the time and that's got no place like come on man like nobody nobody's got time for that so again i think the answer is in the middle of just trying to train people and figuring out what you need to do to get them better and like the four people that i mentioned earlier, you know, they would all say in, in some way, shape, or form, dose them with the proper amount of stress at the right time, and, and then increase it when you can. Um, but I think too many people are too interested in, in, the, in the, the other realms of the triangle than they are with actually training athletes. Yeah, you know, I, I, I would agree with that to a certain extent. Yeah, there, there is... Um there is certain other factors outside of outside of uh, physical preparation that is that's kind of creeping into the to the training profession you know and I think you're right it's and, and it's not necessarily that that integrating that stuff is wrong it's just kind of when you start to think that it's your position to integrate a lot of that stuff when really it should be left to other professionals who are part of the whole uh, sports performance team if you will you know but uh, oh, and I, I said this actually, I met Mike Reinhold, I don't know if you know Mike Reinhold, he's a, he's a physical therapist in Massachusetts, he, he's done a lot of work with Eric Cressy and he owns a facility called Champion um, Champion Physical Therapy Performance and we spoke about this uh, on yeah, Tuesday, I, I just came back from um, Boston on Tuesday and, and we were speaking and basically we just kind of came to agreement that you know a lot of strength conditioning coaches are really forgetting what their primary role is injury prevention and getting your athletes stronger <laughs> or you know increasing the biological output of the organism you know which is another kind of fancy way of saying it where a lot of people have kind of gone to integrate a lot of if you like rehab prehab stuff like i know pri is massive in the field right now and again it's great to integrate a lot of that stuff but don't forget your role either i mean your role is still to physically prepare your athletes for the demands of their sport Oh, yeah, and I think, too, that, you know, people look at it, um, I, I guess I look at it differently. Let me say it that way. Under, like, with my relationship with Joseph and Doc and, and Natalia, when you look at the whole idea of special strength and special exercises, mm. if you can make someone stronger, more mobile, move at a faster rate, with the proper types of contractions in the ranges of motion that are required by their sport. Yeah. I mean, to me, that sounds like a pretty good recipe for injury prevention. Yeah. Or at least, you know, soft tissue stuff. I mean, now, listen, shit happens. People get hit by cars every day, right? Like, you can't prevent that. Mm. But, you, you, again, coming back to what you're saying, like, are we going to be better off looking at it and saying, well, 
physical therapist, so we need to do this. Or are we better off saying, well, we can do these specialized exercises that allow them to perform at a higher level and increase the resilience yeah. in the game. Like, why wouldn't you spend your time more on the latter than the prior, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. I, I understand agree. And again, like, you, you can obviously take certain aspects from... from fields related to your to, to, to the training process as well but absolutely I agree I mean I was reading uh, some notes from Al Vermeil like and Al was just talking about like you know and, and I've heard other coaches say this I've even heard coach Boyle say too you know that like good training you know preparing your athlete for the environment that they're going to play in is is injury reduction is you know is going to help reduce the, the risk of injury but reading Sir Al's notes Al was talking about you know the need to prepare your athlete for the ground reaction forces that are going to happen and so Al was kind of making the argument that plyometrics yes they, they're a performance enhancement exercise but also if done correctly they're injury reduction as well because you're preparing the organism for the ground reaction forces that are going to happen in the sport and if you don't prepare the organism for the environment that it's going to compete in you're one you're doing your athlete a massive disservice and two you're actually ha- you're going to have them at a higher risk of injury so I completely agree with you saying that if, if your special strength exercises do what they're meant to do well then the risk of injury should therefore decrease and your time as a physical preparation coach should be spent there and, and leave the rehab stuff to the people who are trained in that field. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, so I mean that's that, that's a great one. Um, so I mean that's kind of the, the bad or the ugly and, and you gave a great solution there which is really just to focus more on what you should be focusing on which you know, I mean it's a simple answer but it's the right one, the most correct one it would seem. In terms then of what's the best thing you see in a profession, what, what are things in a profession that you know that you think are, are, are uh, make make the field worthwhile being involved in? I think that there are more higher level coaches right now who are more open and honest and sharing um, than have ever been. Um, and maybe that's just because I'm lucky to have uh, been able to connect myself to, to some really interesting cats that are, are willing to just put it all out there and say, yeah, this is what we did. Yeah, this is how we built that. Yeah, this is how we, we did the other thing. Um, <clears throat> but I think that the, you know, probably five, ten years ago, there would have been a lot more um, animosity may not be the word I want to use, but like animosity between different programs in the sense of thinking things are secretive. But I, I think now... I mean, social media, in a way, is helping this. Social media, in a way, is almost extorting it a little too much because it's allowing too many people to voice an opinion, in my opinion. Um, but I, I think that the best thing that we have going right now as a profession is that, uh, that the whole thought process of, whether it be fear or secret or whatever, of keeping things to themselves, it is slowly starting to diminish and it's starting to come back more of a like the old Soviet sport review type idea where hey man this is what I did these are the results I got let's talk about it um, it's sort of working its way back in yeah it's it's another thing too just to add to that I, I, I don't know maybe I'm not, not that I'm going to skew off point a little bit but something to add to that too is you know someone would have that mindset of I don't want anyone to know my secret sort of thing. But then I listened to someone like Tim Ferriss and Ferriss that when he did his latest book, The Four Hour Chef, he put a blog post out 
shown exactly how he did it and everything he'd done it and he was on London Real podcast and they said to him you know why did you do that do you not feel someone might like essentially steal all your secrets and then come out with their own best-selling book and Ferris basically was saying that two things he says one I live my life from the viewpoint of abundancy rather than scarcity and he said second of all 99% of people will see that and they just won't do it because <laughs> he's just like they just they just won't have the, the work ethic or the the conscious will to actually go through all that work and I suppose in some ways you can nearly see that too in in the training uh, industry in that like people are like oh what did you do to get them stronger and it's just like you know it isn't that complicated really you know and then if I told you you're probably still going to stick to your paradigm because that's what you're most comfortable with no doubt and I think that that's why the results part is what's really important yeah because you and I can do the same exact thing and my kids could be X and your kids could be 2X yeah well what's different about your group no, I mean, I, I need to tell you this. The, the exponential number of factors that can influence that the increase is, you know, it's, it's crazy. So we need to, I think we need to get to those tops where it is. Because here's, here, here's what it comes down to. Like, I don't care what your speed program is mm. if your kids didn't get faster. I mean, that's that's basic science. You, you, you have a baseline, an intervention, and then you retest against the baseline. <laughs> did it improve? Did it not improve? Right. You know, and I think that a lot for a while it was just about talking about like, hey, this is what we do for speed. Yeah. And people would talk about a bunch of drills and, and things could look really cool. But I don't I'm not in the business or the profession to, to look cool and, and do all these things. I mean I don't I don't even sit on the bench, I sit on a stool at games. Um, yeah. like I'm I'm there to make people better. So we can talk about all these great things that, that happened but did it, did it work because if it didn't work I, I don't really care yeah yeah exactly you know, if it's not to help my guys play better I, I honestly could not care less it's funny I, I, uh, I interviewed I don't know if you know do you know Ryan Williams he co-wrote that book with Buddy Morris Iron Preparation and, and American Football Physical Preparation yeah. I haven't had a chance to meet him now. No, but you're you're you do you're aware of his name, like um, yeah, yeah. great guy. Like we literally were on the podcast two hours yesterday. It was a great interview, but kind of spoke about when we got to the question on kind of you know his his uh, his thought process or his thought process on on the on um on the training process um or organizing training. You know, he spoke about we kind of spoke about the way a lot of coaches particularly young coaches look at it kind of the other way around like we start having these like debates about exercises and and even like periodization schemes and this that the other and you know he just kind of went back to a real sort of zen sort of answer and, and actually it sounded very much like james smith the thinker and he's like he basically goes what is the biological adaptation that i'm looking for and then how do i go about getting that biological adaptation he says that's how i look at it so he's essentially saying that science drives his program design and his thoughts on, on, on programming rather than as you're kind of saying does this exercise work or that exercise work where he's like did you use that intervention did you get a baseline did you use an intervention for, uh, uh, that you taught or a training protocol that you taught will get you the desired biological adaptation and then did it work did you it retest against your baseline so you know with speed did you do a speed test and then did you do your training protocol and then did you retest the speed to see if the person got faster then you know that you know, you're going in, in somewhat of a right direction. It doesn't really matter what you do. We can have all these debates about this exercise and that exercise or should someone squat or should someone fucking do a split squat or whatever. It's like, at the end of the day, did you get the biological adaptation that the organism was seeking and that you were seeking from the organism? So I just thought it was a very, you know, nice kind of simple but yes or profound kind of answer. And I've heard it before from James, but I just like the way Ryan sort of put it out too. 
But um, anything else to add to that, Jay? Before I move on. No, I, I mean, Ryan stole the show. That's great. I mean, that's it's precisely what you you do. Um, and again, it, I still think that if it's not results driven, then it's just yeah. Then we're just exercising. It's it's funny though because I, I I read um I recently read I don't know if you've seen that six part series that that Stuart McMillan and Matt Jordan put out, and they kind of spoke about that process too of. You know, we're kind of speaking about science and like kind of scientific studies and strength and condition where they were saying that, you know, you'd have your control your control group and your experiment group and then you did a protocol, like let's say you did complex training with the with the experiment group and with the control group you didn't do the complex, you just did like regular strength training and then the vertical jump of the experiment group increased and then you'd say, oh, complex training increases vertical jump and he made a good point then he says well how do you know it was the method or how do you know that it wasn't just the biological law of variation that made them increase so he, you know he was just saying that there's so much fuzzy variables that go into these things that you know we could argue about it till, 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 the, till the cows go home but at the end of the day he was kind of saying the same thing did did your results increase for you that's all you're looking for mm-hmm. um moving on then and, and i suppose this is a good good sort of segue if i was to ask you what is your you know I always use the word philosophy, and I need to stop using this word because, again, if you're using science to drive your training process, you're not really philosophizing, you're actually using science, but what is your, uh, how, you know, your, your thought on the organization of training? If I was to ask you how, your, your thought process when it comes to the organization of training, what would you say? So some people, some I used to say, what you know, what's your training philosophy? And then people say philosophy is not a good word to use because I don't, I don't philosophize. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So what are what are your training what are your training principles that you abide by to organize training? Yeah, I guess that the first thing uh, is one that I'll take from my, my high school soccer career, and that's uh, what our our coach used to tell us every day, and that was you got to do what the game demands. Nice. So I like that. Make sure that. The kids are good at what they need to be good at. So I don't know if Johnny Busani will ever listen to this, but there's a shout out to to my guy. Um, I think that, as Hank says, so pristinely and give them what they need, not they can handle. And as Joseph would say so bluntly, that you would never give someone chemo for a cold. Um, <laughs> That's a brilliant saying. Yeah, so just meaning, just dose them the amount that's reliable, you know. Min- min- reliable. Minimum effective doses, they say. Yeah, yeah, you know, however we want to use it now. I, I like Yosef's. Um, that's a really good one, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, and I don't mind a little shock factor with things like that either. So, I mean, you know, Yosef keeps me on my toes. But, you know, the other thing too is I, I think that, you need to be able to monitor things and you need to be able to understand what you're monitoring and you need to let the monitoring help you. Um, and you need to not only allow the monitoring to help you, but you have to allow the monitoring to possibly change you. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, if you're not monitoring, then I don't necessarily know how people really know if they're dosing athletes the right amount of stress at the right time. Um, and I can give you a great example of that. So we had a group yesterday morning. We've got a freshman kid who you look at him, he's just an absolute freak show fitness-wise, loves training, all you know, everything that you hope you get from a freshman, uh, but you never do. So we're, 
not a day that he shows up that he's not going to go. Um, but we lay him down, we hook him up, we run our Omega Wave test, and his, his CNS dropped like 30 points, and he's in the negative. So he's telling me, we're going, we're going, I'm ready, I'm ready. But his body's telling me, yo, pump the brakes, homie. Um, we're not, we're not going to be able really to adapt to this today. So you then have a decision to make. Do you, do you now listen to the technology um, and say, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe we don't increase volumes or intensities today. Um, do you listen to the kid? Uh, do you meet somewhere in the middle and feel it out as they're going? Uh, you know, because the other thing with the with the monitoring that people need to realize is, is none of them are a deity, right? Like, it's not like my trip score from Polar or, you know, whatever the, the, the load from your catapult or your readiness score from Omega Wave or uh, the questionnaire you get from Coach Me Plus may be, it, it, you're still dealing with people. So there may be things that need to need to go up or down based on just understanding your guys. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, we 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 have our plan that we're going to back things down with this kid and we feel it out and we see um, knowing that we're just going to have to pay it back later. Um, so just know what you're dosing the kids with. Know what, you know, like Ryan said, you got to know what you're trying to get out of them. Yeah. Know what's important to the game and, and what you're training for. Know, know how much you need to get out of each kid for that adaptation to occur, and then know what they're ready to adapt to. Because if you don't, then all you're doing is you can just be part of their head in the sand, you know. The like, that's all. That's an absolutely a standard answer, and and it makes one hundred percent sense. It's completely logical. I suppose the only caveat to that is when you're not a hundred percent in control of those loads, so you could be loading the athlete. Uh, efficiently and effectively on your end of, of the training process but it's when they go to that sports coach you know and they don't really have a sort of conceptual idea of loading and recovery and minimum effective dose have you have any difficulties with that with the sports coach you have to deal with and if so how have you gone about trying to to uh, you know to better that situation um yeah you know, and, and I think anybody that has done this and, and tried to, to toy with this has had some ups and downs with it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, there's a reason Chris Mooney makes what he makes and Jay DeMeo makes what he makes. He's the head men's basketball coach. So if he's deciding that these adaptive reserves need to be utilized at practice, then I need to be the one that makes the, 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 uh, the adjustments. Yes, yes. Because, like, I love what we do, and I think what we do is really awesome and can really help people in, you know, everything we talk about. But at the end of the day, dude, they played basketball for a long time without short guys with shaved heads and beards yelling at these kids lifting weights. Like, you can, you can play basketball and not lift weights. You can play field hockey and, and not lift weights it's yeah. all complementary to what they do so if you're going to allow your ego to get in the way of it and say well what they're doing is bullshit and blah 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 well then pump your brakes buddy and, and take a step back and just realize that you're there to support the coach 
coaching staff and the players to make sure that you can give the coaches the best players possible and you can help the players be as good as possible with what you're handed. Yeah, we've spoken about this a few times on, on the podcast with previous uh, guests. You know, this idea of, like, and I suppose what I've been guilty of in the past and, and know that other coaches have too, I, I don't know about yourself, I obviously won't speak for you, but, you know, we kind of got this narrow focus of, you know, we're just a strength and conditioning coach and all we're going to do is strength and conditioning and, and like, I'm going to make them bigger, faster, stronger. And, of course, that is, that's still a, a, an important part in terms of the general physical preparation. But at the end of the day, like, all that matters is their sporting results. And their sport is king, as in, like, you, that's the one thing you can't sacrifice. So, as you were saying with the basketball guys, I mean, they're just there to play basketball. So, if they need to have more reserve to play basketball, you you got to give them that. So, I love that answer in, in sort of my question to you about how do you deal with making sure that those reserves are there when the sports coach doesn't maybe have as much of an appreciation of trying to of trying to control training load so I, that's a very 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 good answer to that question yeah and then you know what you do with that is then you just start to figure things out you know like i know you've talked to kieran in the past right yeah i have yeah um gosh i can't believe i brought his name up anyway um that bastard He's, he's, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be listening to this. He'll be cracking up. He'll be cracking up right now that he heard that. Yeah, but he, uh, he, he talks about his, um, his postcard idea, right? So what are the three things or four things that you do really well? And what do you not do well? And then we kind of look at it, and it's like, well, where do we want to extend our resources? If it's a fitness thing, like if a kid's like, I need to be in better shape, well, obviously, that needs to move towards the front of the line, right? If it's something where they're like some other movement skill, then we start looking at, well, does that even show up in their game, right? Like, why am I going to waste time on a kid who's kind of a platter that to try to build him and make him more elastic? Because that's just not going to show up, you know? So maybe we start to focus on what will show up in their game now more as opposed to, what we need uh, to do that day. So we can distribute these days where we want to sort of uh, kind of burn our credit, if you want to say, mm-hmm. um, with the adaptive reserves on our end, and then just back them down in the days where we don't want to have to pay back for that because for that kid it's either not necessary or not important. Yeah, yeah, well, that's great stuff. In terms then of... Uh program design and by program design I just mean like how do you structure I suppose the best way like how are you going about structuring your macro cycle and if you want to get into meso or macro you can but more sorry I meant micro so how do you structure your micro cycle so your weekly cycle and if you want to get into meso or macro you can but uh, maybe give us like a, a sort of a, a weekly template setup do you utilize a high low model are you basing it off what sort of competition there is in that week it, it, does it obviously have a, a built in flexibility about it so maybe just touch into you know your, your program design yeah I mean, well it all starts with uh, Dr. Gustus's 1x20 um, everything that it, it doesn't matter if they're a junior or a senior or a freshman when they come back like our initial general prep stuff starts with the 1x20 and then from there we uh, we build our way the lesser volumes and more specificity uh, with what we're training with the guys. And yeah. we just 
we, we make our changes based on when each individual student athlete needs to make a change, meaning uh, when an exercise becomes stagnant and we're not able to improve or we're not recovering from workouts is when we'll start to, to make changes. We'll either cut volumes or change the means, uh, but we always make sure that we're able to recover from something before we add more things to it. Uh, it's really probably the, the simplest program I've seen out there right now, uh, but the results that we see with it are, we've been very successful uh, with performance results. Uh, as we start getting into games and we're down, maybe starting to toy with more like lower end dynamic effort type stuff, more movement type stuff, um, we'll be in hitting like eight reps of some things, but it's still looking at what exactly is going to follow the theory of dynamic correspondence and, and improve sporting form. And because again, that's that's all that matters. Um, a, a question I, I wanted to ask too because you're, you're definitely someone who's way more knowledge in this than myself and probably any other coach I know is this concept of, of special strength training you know it's it's very foreign to a lot of coaches um, you know particularly that sort of and I don't want to generalise but that sort of me head college American football squat powerlift or sorry not powerlift squat power clean bench type person you know and then you're kind of talking to them about you know special strength exercises and they kind of see some of these exercises and they're kind of going what the fuck is this so can, can you can you touch on like you know how first of all maybe explain to us what do you exactly mean by special strength exercise and then what does that look like in a program and then how do you go about integrating that yeah so specialized exercises are, are going to be something that's either going to replicate or uh, impersonate, maybe would be a good word, a full sporting action or part thereof. Um, looking at uh, range of motion, speed of contraction, muscles involved, and, uh, and rate of, of movement. Now, the, the big ones that we use are, are a pullback exercise with active cords, a knee drive exercise with active cords. And our active cords really are, are like tubing with like dog clips on them. So you can hook it to something and, and hook it to an ankle strap. Uh, and then two different lunges. A forward lunge and a side lunge. And, and we see really, really interesting and, and positive improvements in both linear speed and, and change of direction. Um, another thing that people kind of overlook because we, we sort of get drill happy when it comes to our change of direction type stuff is actually just teaching cutting technique, uh, which is a special exercise that we do where we build off of just like step, plant, push, 90 degrees. Step, plant, push, 45 degrees. You know, simple stuff that like, like we want to get into so much of like, people love to talk about deceleration and, and all these things, but if you know the technique and you can do the technique and you can do the technique faster, then deceleration should occur naturally and quicker so it isn't an issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we look at the actual 
techniques that are performed and practice them and then build speed, distraction, reaction, resistance, um, try to make them more explosive as we go. Um, and of course now more and more people are talking about velocity-based training. And all velocity-based training is, is special strength training. Yeah. You're developing specific types of strength based on the velocity utilized um, for that movement. So uh, special strength training is just incorporating more of the fundamental laws of specificity and would also have a higher dynamic correspondence to the actual sports skill itself or, or the sport in question. So that it has a bigger transfer to the sport in question. Correct. Yeah, now, all the specialized exercises... And it's, I would say that specialized exercises are more looking at it as a, through like a, a biomechanist's glasses, where special strength would be more of a physiological uh, set of glasses, where we're looking at the, the speeds and, you know, how fast we move the bar, how, you know, how we're jumping, how we're throwing, whatever that may be, versus the the breakdown of the techniques and performing exercises to strengthen the techniques. And in terms of a, a session or a daily setup, where in the session would special exercises fall? Do they come after the warm-up and before strength work, or, or are they a separate session on their own, or where exactly do they fit in? No, so we'll, we'll warm the guys up, and we'll, when we get through whatever point we are with the running exercises, uh, we get into the, the specialized work, and then we'll get into, uh, so that'll be our pullback knee drive, ins and outs, uh, lunges, and then we'll get into some tens, some cutting exercises uh, to make sure that it shows up, you know, with what matters. Um, and then we'll get right into our, our jumping progressions and then our, our strength work. You know, it's... I think that there actually is, just by the default, there actually is some coaches out there who sort of do special strength exercises and they don't even realize it, like like a, like a sled push or a resisted sort of uh, acceleration or resisted shuffle or crossover sleds. Like To me, they would be special strength exercises, would they not? In certain ways, depending again on the, on the velocities. A lot of the joint angles are definitely the same. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, I would sort of put them probably at a lower end of it, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, you could qualify it in that way. I, I think that what's important is to be able to keep building the speed of movement, yeah. because that's all that matters. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Most amount of force in the least amount of time, baby. No doubt. Um, in terms then of, uh, the next question I actually have down here was energy system development. There's been a big sort of discussion on bioenergetics and energy system development the last say five, six years, particularly with the book from Joel Jason, Ultimate MMA. Um, you know, that's kind of changed a lot of people's thought processes on, on, the, uh, on energy system development. Um, in, terms of, in terms of your thoughts on energy system development, how exactly are you organizing that again? I suppose you're probably just going to say needs analysis of the sport. And, but for you, like, where does that fall into your training? Again, do, do you do any sort of additional ESD after sessions, or do you leave that to the sports coach, or do you do it in sports practice, or how are you organizing that, and how also are you controlling that with the rest of the training volumes? Yeah, so, again, we, we like you just said, we would obviously look at what the sport demands, but then looking at it too, I think that what 
I think that what we do a lot of is we like to pawn these issues and these and and, and these uh, things, just training fitness with these kids to the sport coaches. Yeah. Because we don't monitor practice, and we don't know what practice is. Yeah. Well, we monitor practice, and I know that practice. We we basically put everything in, in three levels, right? You got your highs, your mediums, your lows. Your highs are when you're sitting there grinding and you're over threshold quite a bit. If threshold even exists, we can talk about that later. Um, you know, where you're, if you're looking at your, your polar work, you're in your 90 plus percents. You know, these kids, when they practice, they, they go. You know, we, we'll have guys who are in a 40 minute workout hitting over 100, 120 on a training load score. Um, which is pretty impressive. You know, they're going. So people are like, well, then how do you model your conditioning? We do a lot of lows and we do a lot of mediums. What are lows? Lows is anything below 150 beats per minute. Medium is anything in that, what we would, I guess, call tempo area. You know, that 150 to 175 tops. Yeah. And uh, the reason being is, um, for whatever reason, I don't know if I'm completely sold on the 120 to 150 beat per minute actually having a morphological change in the eccentric contraction of the left ventricle um, but I know it low interesting heart rate I know that the guys who do well with that and, and focus on that really recover fast yeah. meaning we hit a the coaches just put them through a, a grinder in practice and they're you know, heart rate, as soon as they go over to get water, it looks like they jumped out of an airplane. Um, and then getting the stuff in the middle, I think, is important. So we're looking extensive, intensive tempo, hill sprints, um, high-resistance bike ride stuff, because I think that increasing the volume and intensity of work that can be done before we hit that, again, the magical threshold, threshold whatever that whatever, may be. Yeah, whatever that means. But I get what you're saying exactly. It's the same thought process as me. You know, you yeah, wanna, make the game aerobic, man. Yeah, exactly. You want, yeah. I also, you want to be as aerobic as possible for as long as possible. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it's, and we look at certain guys as we get closer to games, and it's like, does he need it? Yeah. You know, if if you got a cat that's, that's really fit, and you got a chance to, to get him off his feet in October and not have him doing all this extra stuff and maybe save his legs for February and March, uh, I think you're kind of a fool not to. Um, you know, kids like that will give up, will give options. They're like, yo, man, what do you think? Like, you good? Because I, I think you're in a good spot. If you think you need to run a little bit, we can, we can go do a little bit. But if not... Because you can, the thing that, that needs to be remembered too with all this stuff, Robbie, is it's really easy to add stuff. But if you've done too much and you're going into a competitive time of the year, like, you could be really screwed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'd be similar in that, you know, always err on doing a little less and a little too much because you can always add. Oh, yeah. And people think. And especially in the American culture, we're very afraid of not doing enough. Oh, it's, it's epidemic. I mean, I'm just back from working at Boyles and somewhere in 
some of the athletes there. There was one guy, John. <laughs> he won't be listening to this, but he was. He's a collegiate football player. Never met him before in my life. First, very first thing I ever said to him. Very first thing I walked up and I said, "You're under recovered." And then he turned around and said to me, "He goes, you know what? All my coaches say that to me." And I was like, "And and, he, and he's like, I've never met you before. And you just said it." And he goes, "How do you know?" I was like, "I know. I've, uh, I've met enough of your types. You need to recover more." Yeah, and these um, and it, and it's like all over the place. You know, everybody wants next week's results tomorrow, and yeah, yeah. good, bad, or indifferent. You know, whatever it may be, but. As, you know, Matt Tomey used to be an assistant of mine who's now the head guy at Michigan Tech. He, he asked a question once giving a presentation. He's like, have you ever met anybody that's been really under-trained? Now, like, out of shape is different than under-trained. Yeah. Like, let's determine that, right? If you're out of shape and you pop a hammy, that's different than being, like, under-trained. Like, what is under-trained? Like, we, are, we all hear about over-trained, but what's... You know, what's the Wicked Witch of the West on the other side? Yeah. And it's, at, at, at any moment, it's not hard to throw in 20 tempos. All right? You know, or, it, or just go cruise out there, man. Yeah, or additional it's, strength work if needed, or whatever it is that the athlete's lacking in. But why, why throw it all in at once? Yeah, very you true, know? yeah. Very, very true. Don't fill up on salad, man. Wait for the meal. You don't win friends with salad. Yeah. As the song goes in The Simpsons. Uh, Jay, you know, speak about your uh, your Central Virginia Sports Performance Seminars. There's something you've been doing since uh, 2010, 9, 10? Yeah, uh, 10 or 11, yeah. Yeah, 2010 I think was your first one. And I, I, have, a, I have a few of the DVDs here at home. and I mean, they're absolutely outstanding. And, and this year, you know, you, again, you had a great lineup. You know, you had Michael Michael Regan, uh, you had Ben Peterson, L- L- Landon Evans, you know, Brian Mann, who's doing great work with the velocity-based training. You've had Cal Dietz back again, he's been there a few times, and then you had Vladimir Ishrin, and you've had Natalia over, and you had Rick Brunner there as well last year. I mean, some great names, and, you know, it's uh, you really are putting on just an absolutely great, great uh, seminar. I really must try and actually physically get out to one, but... Um, just explain maybe how that came about, and then uh, you know explain about maybe not not explain about how it came about, and then maybe discuss like some of the best talks you you've witnessed over the few years that it's been running. It actually started uh, because I got called out. To be honest, we had like your normal run of the mill like local area. We'll get up and talk and hopefully pay a bar tab type of conference, yeah, yeah, yeah. clinic type thing. And um, there wasn't anything for basketball back then. So I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to email every coach in the country and see if they'd be interested uh, before that was illegal. And um, and uh, all of a sudden, this guy, Charles Stevenson, who was at NC State at the time, hit me back. And he's like, yeah, this is a really good idea. I actually already started putting it together. <laughs> and uh, I was like, cool. Well, let me help however I can. And Charles did about... 99.9% of the light work. Um, he did everything except drive me down there, really. Um, and, and he put on a great show, and everybody was talking about how awesome it was, and, and Charles still does a fantastic job. He does it out in Vegas now. And um, I came back, and my boss at the time was like, dude, our clinic blows, and you helped with all this. This is garbage. Uh, we need this here. So I was like, all right, dude, 
that you could think of. Uh, and I was about four weeks out. I sold ten seats, and I had to cancel it, and it it was awful. Wow. Um, so we tried again next year when uh, I started talking with Joseph Johnson from UAC, and uh, the kind of the rest has been history. You know, uh, trying to bring in scientists and coaches and coaches who are scientists. Um, and our, our primary objective with everything is let's talk about results. Let's talk about what you did and how much better you got people. Uh, and, and for the most part, you know, we, we, we've held pretty true to that. You know, I mean, it's difficult when you look at some of the high-performance guys right now to be able to actually quantify some of those things yet, but it, um, it has been neat. Um, I could say probably the coolest thing from it, though, has been the relationships, man. Like, oh, yeah. you know, you mentioned a few people. I mean, I've already talked about Natalia. I mean, Michael Regan is, an, is, I mean, he's a super cat that no one in the States really knows about unless you were kind of in the forefront of the GPS stuff um, before he went back to Port Adelaide. Um, you know, and, and all those guys that were here this year, um, Dr. Mann, Benny, Cal, Landon, Snides, um, Eric, Andrew. I'm sure I'm going to miss somebody uh, off the top of my head. But, I mean, they're super people that, that, that give really, I mean, just amazing talks. Um, and, again, it's, it, it's about openly sharing, uh, no ego, uh, and let's just spend two days on campus. Let's have a few smart people talk for a few hours uh, and, and then let's go out have a couple burgers have a couple beers out back because um, people stay on campus and, and we're really lucky because Richmond's really it's a really nice campus yeah, um, yeah. you know we bring in some local breweries to to bring us some beer because I mean that's when the, the conversations really happen is when you have a couple soda pops and a burger and all of a sudden it's like you get the real stuff um but yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting progression getting from where we were to where we are, and um, it's it's a continually evolving organism in and of itself. That's uh, that probably takes up way more of my time than it should, um, but it's it's worth it in the end. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, fr from the from the videos that I have from when I've got like eleven and twelve. I mean it's outstanding stuff like it really is and anybody who's kind of more orientated maybe towards more the you know eastern block type stuff you know there's definitely a lot there but it's it's great too again what, what I love about it too is like kind of like you said with Michael Regan you're getting these kind of like diamonds in the rough like people you've never heard about and you're kind of like holy shit this guy knows this this guy knows this stuff um, and like I mean back in 2011 I never heard of Cal Deese before it was my first exposure to Cal um, and there was you know one or two other names in there as well and I think actually he also had uh, Dr. Bonnerchuk in one year. He was speaking over Skype and Dr. Yes is interpreting. It was it was great, like, but um, it was yeah. It was, you know, you're probably a bit like me too in terms of like I started this podcast for selfish reasons, you know, so I could get to talk to people like you and other the other great guests I've on. So it's kind of the same as when you start putting on your own seminar. Like you know, I, I get these world class people to come here and get get to build relationships and meet them. Oh, completely, one hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. And then. How it's been developed after that is, all right, so the initial people that came in were the people I wanted to learn from, and then, you know, now Cal and Landon and 
Jim Snyder, um, Matt Tomey, Jeff Moyer, Joseph have all had a very big impact in, in who I bring in because these are guys who, I mean, they're, they're way smarter than me and they're way better coaches than me. And they tell me who they want to learn from. Well, I'd be a fool if I didn't want to learn from them too. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. I already paid them to come here and teach me. Like, they want they want to learn from these guys and I can bring everybody together at the same time. Like, if you have that opportunity and you don't jump on it, you're, you're kind of stupid. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so with that, I've, I've been lucky and that's just been the model I've had is who are people that are smarter than me and I want to learn from and then find who they want to learn from and develop yeah. relationships with them. I'm all, you know? I always say, uh, I always say, I want to be the dumbest, I want to be the dumbest person in the room. Oh, uh, you know, a, a lot of people say that and that's scary. Um, because eventually, if everybody wants to be the dumbest person in the room, we're going to be in a room full of a lot of stupid people. Well, no, I mean in terms of, you know, to, 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 you know, if you want to learn more, you need to be around people who, you know, who essentially know more than you so you can become smarter. You have to get up to their level. It's mm-hmm. same, like in terms of, you know, if you want to get stronger, you need to train with stronger people. Yeah, no, no, I'm with you, but uh, I guess I kind of look at it as most of these people who you think are smarter and better than you, they don't think that. And they just want to come and hear what you have to say, and they want to share with you what they do, and they want you to share with them. You know, like Mike Gentry was here, Dr. Mike Gentry, who's been at Virginia Tech, shoot, forever. Uh, And he he shows up, and and the first thing he says is, everybody, please, on your way out, uh, our summer manual is up at the front table. Please take a copy. Wow. Like, come on, man. Like, this guy, this guy's been doing this, doing this thing since, I mean, half the people there probably weren't even born when Dr. Gentry, you know, first walked in a weight room. And now he's sitting there being like, this is everything we do. Take it. And he wants, he want, like, he wants feedback on it. And yeah, it's just, like, yeah, actually, you know what? It's a very good point you make on that too, that, that those people who you, who you are sort of viewing as, being in a more of a authoritary position in terms of their knowledge in comparison to you, they view it more as they're sharing information and they want to be more on a sort of uh, equal level and have more of a stimulating conversation. It's a more back and forth rather than a top down sort of approach. So yeah, no, I get that. That makes sense. It's very very similar to Al Vermeer. Like I, I'd be very close to Al. I actually spent two days in his house this year, and you know the guy is like in his seventies. He's doing this fifty years. He's got six world championships with the Bulls and an NFL with the Forty Niners and. Like Al would like email me stuff, or even in his house he would say, "What's your opinion on this?" And I'm like 28 years old. I haven't coached any world champions, but yet he's still humble enough to want someone's opinion. Oh yeah, that's. So I I hundred I hundred percent get what you're saying. I suppose it's it's tongue in cheek when I say be the dumbest person in the room, but I I get I hundred percent get what you're saying too that it's it should never be this sort of top down. It should be you know very much back and forth and everybody sharing information and and you know you can learn from anyone. I mean. God's sake, I mean, I can learn from a kid, like, or watching a baby move. A baby could teach you something. So, you know, you're always you're always able to learn from anything or anyone. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, Cal says that all the time. He's like, yeah, I'm just the dumbest guy in the room. And I was looking around, and I'm like, no. Yeah, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think so, Cal. No, no maybe, not. Maybe if it comes to, like, geopolitics, but certainly not physical preparation. Yeah, yeah. In, in this instance, Cal, you just need to shut up, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're not the dumbest guy in the room. <laughs> all right.
right, so Jay, we'll start wrapping up with a with a few little questions here. Um, what would be your advice to all the coaches listening to the podcast right now? Make your way to Richmond, Virginia next July for the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar. Uh, and bring 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 food and money for beer. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll have a potluck next year. Just bring a dish to pass. <laughs> that's there's no fee. That's what we'll do. It'll just be food. What the fuck is this? Uh, These are sandwiches. We said real food, like a pig or something. Yeah. No, we. Uh, you know what? My biggest advice to anyone who's getting into this: you got to be brave. Um, and you need to read Mark Watts' write-up about what the life really is like on a lead-off TS. Mm. Um, and if you read that and it hasn't scared you off, talk to people because people will talk to you. Uh, but be patient and know that we're, we're really busy. Um, I mean, shoot, I'm with, I'm with my guys right now about 67 hours a week. Wow. Um, and we can't train on Saturday or Sunday right now. We have to have two days off. So that's just one of my team responsibilities. 67 uh, hours. What are you doing for 67 hours? A lot. <laughs> we're, with, I mean, we're with them from basically from 7 to 7 every day. Is there, then, is, there uh, not a, is there not a limitation on the amount of time you can spend with them? Or are you guys just like whatever with that? There, there is a limitation. Um... It's 68 hours. <laughs> no, 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 no. But it's, it's like, so this is the thing. So, like, we'll run small groups. And I'll go to breakfast with the guys. And we'll do things where we invest. And there's guys, you know, you work a 70-hour work week, and it's, 60, it's probably like 60 right now. When we get into practice, it'll get up to almost 70 when we're in, our, like, our real practices. Yeah. Because you need to invest this time in these kids. Mm. To make sure that you know they're they're getting better and they're doing the right thing. Like I'm in a position where I can work in groups of two, three guys. Not everybody can do that, right? Like that's not that's not the norm. There's not you know college basketball is different. We've got like 16 cats, so you can work four groups during the day, but then they also have four workouts. Yeah. So there's eight hours right there, right? Yeah. So then there's okay, well. What else are we doing? Are we coming back to the weight room and rolling out and stretching? Are they coming back and grabbing a smoothie? Are they, you know, what do we do before breakfast? What are we doing after breakfast? Um, who's just stopping by just to be like, hey, I need help with this. You know, you, you need to know that you need to be available for these kids all the time. Um, and it's, it's, it's not for everybody, but it's for me. You know how we do this. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't do it any other way. We, I, I if I had a guy that, that hit me up right now and was like, "Yo, man, I know it's an off day, but I need some help with this," I, I'd cut this short and drive in right now. And I know you would. Yeah, I could, you could definitely uh, sense that. I mean, I've done that. We, I think anyone who's sort of a passion for this is, has done that. Yeah, but when you get into 67 might have been an exaggeration. I'll give you the number right now. Hold on. I'll pull out the schedule right now. <laughs> well, I, I, I've calculated right here. Yeah. All right. So. Shoot. 7 to 6 is 11. Okay. 7 to. So, 11, so it was 44 this week. 
Wow. Yeah. A little bit less than 67, but it's still, that's still a... Uh, well, yeah, and this was the first week of classes, and we're not starting, we haven't done real practice yet. But that really, that'll, that'll creep up into the 50s, like... Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. And, then when, and when we're playing games, so when we're on the road and, and things like that, I mean, it's... It's awesome. And uh, just like uh, on, a, on a private side of things or a more personal side of things, like, do you have a family? No. You, you don't have a wife or children? No. Yeah, you're like me, so, so like we can get away with shit like that for now. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, yeah. you know, and I would tell them, be brave. Uh, shoot, man, I had a guy, Cameron came over from England and just observed for the summer. Wow. You know? this, you this, this summer? Yeah. Yeah, I you mean. Know, you do that, heading over and taking tours. You know, Kier took a tour with me. You know, you, you need to be brave. You need to be able to... And, and even if brave is just like a friend request on social media and starting a conversation on Facebook. Yeah, I, I can never understand. Like, people ask me all the time, how do you get these podcasts? I'm like, I contact the people and ask. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you know, you just say being brave. I'm like, you know, just like, I'm like, what's the worst thing that can happen? No, I can't. Sorry, right now. And but like 90% of the time people are like, like you. Yeah, of course. And then, you know, you get to spend a, a very stimulating hour, maybe two hours with the person. And again, like me and you, we've never spoken one-to-one, but we're building a relationship. We're getting to know each other. We're having great fun here, you know, and it's, it's just, as you said, it's, 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 you know, be brave. And this is how it's, you know, building relationships, particularly in this field, you know, it's, it opens a lot of doors. Yeah. And do that with people that you think are smarter than you or you want to learn from and just find out who they want to learn from and, and keep, Keep the circle of life going, you know. It's big time. Jay, if I if I asked you, uh, what are the biggest mistakes you've made so far in your career, and uh, what have you learned from them? It's 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 our second or third last question, so you can take your time. Yeah, the biggest mistakes I've made. Oh man, I, I was. Uh, I think it took me too long to to start to understand Doc and Natalia stuff. I think that. Really understanding that is important, and I think, um, as I mentioned earlier, the, the biggest mistake I, I had ever made was thinking that what we do is more important than what it is. And yeah. it's, um, I wouldn't trade what I do for anything. I wouldn't trade where I am for anything. Um, but with again, with all that being said, you need to be the. Um, the support person for everyone and, and you need to work in in like in conjunction with what they're doing and uh, I wasn't always like that yeah yeah big time for all the coaches listening I always like asking this question too uh, what would be your top resources and, and it doesn't have to be just limited to training or physical preparation and, and it doesn't have to be limited to things like books. I think people have seen books straight away. It could be anything. It could be, could be a book, could be a DVD, could be a podcast, could be a website, could be a, an actual individual person, could be a seminar. It could be something to do with spirituality or self-development or nutrition or health. Wellness. It could be anything. What would be your top resources to the listeners? And if it and if it is if it is a training book, that's fine too. I'm just saying it, it, it's it's yeah. not just limited to that. Anything from Ultimate Concepts. Yes, Joseph Johnson. Yeah. Giving him a plug. Is worth 
everything that he. I just actually so, something I want to say while you bring up. Sorry to cut across you. It's just while it's fresh in my mind. I remember I say it. I just want to say this publicly. Yosef is an absolute gentleman. I I I uh, I have once or twice had to like email him and like I I'd like buy a DVD from him and I mightn't watch it like until six months down the line because I just hadn't a chance yet. And I'd watch it and I remember I had one of Ishran's ones and I wouldn't play it and I was like oh crap I'm gonna have to buy this again and I emailed him and said Joe oh, yes, I'm really sorry but my DVD's not playing. I, I said I bought this a while ago but here's my receipt. Sends it out free charge. And then uh, he did the same thing with another DVD of mine, and it was only one DVD in a pack. Is pack A sent it out to me. I bought uh, about four or five books off him in one order, and he, he gave me one book for free. Like he's a gentleman. Like he, his customer service is outstanding. Oh yeah, and he's a he's a super cat, and he puts out really awesome stuff. He he would be one. Obviously, my seminar I think pretty highly of. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then I think. Um, also, just for the listeners, that's free online. You can buy those as digital downloads or as DVDs, just in case. Because yeah. I don't think we mentioned to people that they're actually uh, digital products as well. Oh yeah, you can order it and, and watch it in about fourteen seconds, depending yeah. on how your Wi-Fi and is. That, that'll all be on the show notes. So, guys, you know, you can just go to show notes, boom, click right there, and then you can you can check out the products for yourself. Highly recommend. Okay, it. appreciate that. Um, I think that there's, gosh, websites. There's like a billion of them. Freelap's awesome. Obviously, Elite's really good. Yeah, it's nice, yeah. Uh, I, I, what, what, what I'm doing now, too, I said this to Ryan yesterday, even if it's a case of, like, we get off an air and you're like, oh, I didn't mention that, didn't mention that, you just shoot me an email and let's stick them into the show notes. Yeah, cool. So, um, so you just keep, you keep naming away there, and if, if you forget anything, it's no problem. I can just stick it in the show notes. You know, notes. Eric... Eric Horum brought up in a podcast that, like, if you follow the right people on Twitter, Twitter's awesome. Yeah, it is, because they can only write so much, so it has to usually be good stuff. Yeah, and they'll just put you right to what you should read. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's so abundant. I mean, obviously you're listening to this podcast, so that's a good one. Um, Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Here does well. Um... Kier puts out good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and then there's a bunch of good pay sites out there. I think, you know, Coach Boyles is still relevant and still good. I think Maladins is good. Yeah, I think uh, is good. Um, yeah, I mean, I just dropped about 30 plugs, so I don't, and I don't see residuals, so I... <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you put that training analogy into making money. I don't, I'm not getting residuals off this, so I should stop yeah. right now. Um, in terms of books, then what will be your what give us a, a training book, a, a self development book, and if if you have a business one, you know, stick it out there too. If not, don't worry. But what would be your maybe your top training, top self development, and even maybe a top like health or spiritual or whatever type book? When it comes to understanding what we do. Uh, Build a Better Athlete and the 1x20 are the two from Dr. Yesis that I would recommend right away. Wow, very good, actually. I have both of those. Uh, and if you get a good grasp of those, then it opens the conversation more into how the program actually runs. Yeah, yeah. The only issue I have with the 1x20 is he, he talks a lot about how it's for middle school and, and high school kids. And I can tell you without reservation that it works for everybody. Uh, like my assistant who's 25 years old has put like 100 pounds on his squat in a year just doing the 1x20 uh, and we don't do singles uh, 
specific to individuals. I mean, like Legacy, I think everybody could get something from. Yeah, it's a good book, yeah. Uh, good to Great, everybody could get something from. You know, all of Ferris' stuff, people could get something from. Uh, and then I'd probably leave that at that. Awesome, awesome stuff. Jay, where can people find out more about you? Uh, CVASPS.com. It's uh, the website for the seminar. Uh, I'm on social media at CVASPS and uh, at Jay DeMeo. Uh, those are probably the two. Twitter's probably the easiest way to, to get in touch with me, to be honest. And I hate to say that as a 36-year-old. Um, but yeah, or uh, email me at CVASPS at gmail.com. And uh, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm terrible at returning emails quickly, for the most part, uh, but I do get back to them at some point. Yeah, uh, similar, similar to myself. I will get back to you, I promise. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, it might not be within the hour. Yeah. Uh, I am getting better, though, at it. At hey, you got, you got back very quick to me about this whole, uh, this whole process of getting the interview together. Try, man. Try. It's a character flaw that I'm working on. No problem at all. Jay, uh, just stay on the on the line for like another 30, 30 seconds to a minute while I wrap up um, and I'll say my, my goodbyes to you. So guys, what an absolute brilliant episode. I want to thank Coach Jay DeMeo for taking the time today to, uh, to I, don't, I don't know if you're sitting down or standing, but I'm going to say sit down and talk to us. Um, uh, yeah, thanks, buddy. It was great to be here. Yeah, it was an ab- absolute pleasure. So, guys, uh, once again, thank you for downloading and listening to the podcast. If you can, leave a review, share the podcast. All that stuff helps, um, and uh, it's very much appreciated. So, for everyone listening, guys, take care, be well, and stay strong.